Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to QueenPod. We are on a mission to bring you a companion piece to the entire Queen back catalogue, track by track, album by album. And incredibly, the band are very kindly letting us play all their music, which makes us the only podcast on earth with Queen playing all the way through it. However, we do need your support, so if you are in a position to do that, kindly pop over to patreon.com forward slash QueenPod to find out how. Over to you, Fred. Good evening, Constantinople. Welcome to the Queen Pod. Play Roger Taylor loud. Hashtag PRTL. Yes, it's the Queen Pod. People round here know she likes a bottle of wine. It's comedian and vocalist Suze Kempner. Hey, we. Glug, glug. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking for trouble. I wasn't looking for a wife, but here she is. It's Queen filmmaker Simon Nutton. <laughs> Hello. How are you, dear? I'm rocking. How are you? <laughs> I'm rocking too, my man. Uh, okay, our structure is battered, but the corridors ring with little John Robbins. Sadly, he is double busy today and not joining us for this very special Queen Pod in which we're looking at Roger Taylor solo stuff. Um, but let's all go to heaven in a little rowboat. Yep, it's me, Ro, your host. <laughs> clap, clap, slap. <laughs> if I'm ever rich enough to get a super yacht, I'm going to call it the rowboat. Are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah I made a decision. It's gonna, it's gonna have a hot tub on the boat. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not to be confused with a hot tub is a boat, which is a boat. I've tried that, nearly died. Um, <laughs> right, Prestige Sam is here as well. Oh, hi. Hello. Good meeting! (laughs) So today we're going to look at the banter, the the sheer level of of zhuzh we have amongst ourselves. (laughs) If only we could find a way to bottle it and sell it, then we wouldn't have to do this. I'd have a (laughs) rowboat. We'd have that rowboat, yes. We are approaching the 80s in our chronology chronology of uh, getting through these wonderful Queen albums. And uh, we're close enough 
enough, I think, to have a look at Roger's first full solo album, which is Fun in Space. It was uh, re- released in 1981, and it was a good enough excuse to squeeze that into Series 3, right? Mm. Um, so we thought we'd have a look at that, because it's an amazing album. And given that he has also recently released Outsider, which is his most recent um, uh, solo album, we thought it'd be nice to sort of look at his first solo album and use that as an opportunity to actually have a little look at uh, his most recent solo album as well. Does that sound like fun? Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. it does, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It will be good. It will be very, very good. But before we get into all of that, do any of us have a Queen moment we want to share? We are the champions. We are the champions. Yes, I do. Oh, I was on, doing my usual sixteen hours of uh, watching the news a day, oh. and they. <laughs> featured a guy who has been driving refugees from Ukraine in his car. He's been going over, collecting them and bringing them back to the UK, uh, doing an amazing deed. And he had these two old ladies uh, that he picked up and he was driving them and they their English wasn't brilliant and he didn't speak anything but English. So he, he said conversation was tricky and he asked them, what music would you like? And he put on, he'd like deliberately um, got some Ukrainian music, like traditional Ukrainian music, because he thought that might make them feel at home. So he put it on mm. and uh, they, one of them sort of tapped him and, and asked, could we hear Freddie Mercury? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, and then they played Queen all the way back from Ukraine to the United Kingdom. <laughs> hey, that's oh. like the best road journey ever. Yeah. What a heart. What a heart melting tale. That's this, huge. Our, our our planet is a village. Yeah. Oh, Suze, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you're right. They their their presence in that. What was the Eastern Bloc, I guess? They were mm-hmm. a huge deal for them, right? You yeah, know, I mean, yeah, they were yeah. a worldwide band, man. They yeah. were. They were. They were. They were the big thing. Uh, I have a little Queen moment, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as of recording, uh, last Saturday, a few days ago, was uh, Eurovision 2022. Yeah. Did you guys watch Eurovision? I sure did. Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. It was a big Eurovision, wasn't it? Oh yeah. Sam Sam was busy watching Top Gun and I pulled him off Top Gun to get onto the scoring because yeah. uh the United Kingdom never scores any points and we came second. It was unbelievable. It was so lovely <laughs> that Ukraine came first as well. It was an amazing result. Yeah. Um, but my queen moment was when Mika took to the stage. He was hosting the Eurovision Awards and then he did this set that was absolutely blinding. And of course he's he got um He's got that song, uh, Grace Kelly. Yes. With the line, so I tried a little Freddy, mm-hmm. mm, I've got mm-hmm. identity mad, right? And that is, you know, he has said that that is a direct reference to Freddie Mercury. Yeah. yeah. It's a really popular line. It's quite famous. It's quite immortalised in it. And every time he did that little line, he just gave it just a, a, the tiniest little Freddy, like a little yeah. cock of the head, a little, you know, just a little set of the shoulders. Yeah. And it occurred to me through that entire thing, like... This guy is, you know, like he was channeling Freddie in his performance. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Graham Norton, the, who was the narrator for us in the UK on, on, on that show, said after us, wow, what a performer. He really, you know, we haven't seen him for a while, but my God, 
what a fantastic performance. I'm so glad he had that moment. And he was really channeling, I felt he was really channeling Freddie and it sort of got me into this whole thinking of, wow, that was a guy who, um, you know, I think he became a songwriter and a singer because he loves Fred. And yeah. he, he's got these crazy falsettos that Fred used to do and you've talked about a lot, Suze, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get asked a lot on this pod, what do you think Freddie would be doing if he was still around? <laughs> and it occurred to me that I reckon a 72-year-old, I want to say 72, 75, 75-year-old Freddie would have popped out of the stage right on, so I tried a little Freddie oh, and joined imagine. in. And like, it just been completely, sp- and it would just yeah. take the roof off the entire space that they were performing in and whatever. Is it three billion people? It must be Eurovision. half a billion see it at least. It's huge. Yeah. It's yeah. a massive yeah. competition. Yeah. And you know it's yeah. you don't you don't even have to be in Europe, Australia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they found they were like, Well we'll oh, just yeah. join that what is it the European television broadcasting association or something Union, if you're part yeah. of that is that how they did it <laughs> yeah that's so australia joined that that's why you've got like um israel uh, a part of eurovision of and other countries is afghanistan part of eurovision i feel like azerbaijan it is, is. Azerbaijan. <laughs> i'm just trying to imagine <laughs> the afghanistan <laughs> entry afghanistan <laughs> eurovision that would be brilliant hey yeah. sure oh, why not <laughs> um yeah i think eurovision is i think eurovision was great this year uh and our boy Sam Ryder, who who did indeed come second, because um, apparently Europe loves us now. <laughs> <laughs> They've forgiven us for Iraq and Brexit. Um, but Sam Ryder is a huge Queen fan. Is he? Yeah, he's a massive, massive Queen fan. He loves Queen, and you could hear more than a little bit of Brian in his guitar solo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a you good know, song. Well, it's hard to write oh, a Eurovision was. song. It's catchy. I've played it voluntarily since, and I don't think I've done that with a Eurovision song since that song that went, Euphoria. Remember that? That was good. <laughs> I've spent 20 years uh, trying to persuade producer Giles, who's, who's, who's a bit handy around music, uh, I, want to, I want to enter Eurovision with a song called We Are Europa. Mm-hmm. And I've been I've been begging Giles to do that, and every time I do it, he goes, "Well, how does the song go?" And then that's that's where that stops. Ah, okay, yeah. <laughs> well, you're. I mean, you're seventy percent of the way there. We are Europa. That's seventy percent. That's seventy percent yeah. of a win already. Yeah. We should get those two chaps on for a chat. I reckon Mika and and was it Sam? Did you Sam Ryder? Yeah. Yeah. Sam, yeah. Get idea. them on together and have a chat with them about their love. Talk queen. about but Queen. You know. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you you look at at Mika and Sam Ryder, and they're clearly both very intelligent people who are very ambitious and they want to be the best they possibly can. Mm. And so they just looked to find the very the greatest of all time to to sort of emulate. And I think it's just that straightforward, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. that's clearly very intelligent individuals. Yes, and and when you do follow the teachings of queen then you will have success Worldwide you will come success. second exactly. <laughs> yeah but given I like where we've been people... for the last three years that's... I, I mean oh god the last tw- tw- i think it's the highest finish since we won it in 97 um so someone there have been a number of people saying if it wasn't for ukraine we would have won i'm like no no another country would have won <laughs> 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 there would be a different country getting it once. yeah 
But when it got to the very, very end and they were waiting to reveal the audience vote, I was sitting there going, oh, that would be so, so us, wouldn't it? We're the ones who steal it. Yeah, the exactly. Ukraine. Do, yeah. Who wants we're to that be guy. the country we're that take guy. Guy. Yeah, yeah I was. I was quite outcome. relieved. <laughs> yeah. It was, yes, this is the exact outcome you want. <laughs> that was a good Queen of the Champions, A Ukraine-related Queen of the Champions. Exactly, exactly. And we steered well clear of getting political as well. Uh, but Yes, we love uh, uh, talking about Queen, and uh, the thing that we love most about talking about Queen is uh, all of you listeners out there, many of you have uh, started to gravitate towards our Patreon, which is really good of you. So if you do go along to uh, www.patreon.com forward slash queenpod, uh, you will be able to find, if you want to just give us a little one-off support of two quid, then that will help. Um, but if you'd like to subscribe, become a, uh, what are they called? We've got Bohemians at the top top level, haven't we? And then Funsters in the middle level. Um, and then who have we got the... Uh Funsters are the cheap seats. Champions, champions are our middle level. That's our free champions. Tiers. What did I say? So funsters, champions, and bohemians. Yeah. One of the good things that happen uh, if you are on any of those three tiers is you get a little shout out on the Queen Pod. Um, and so today I am going to thank the lovely Monique Brognon. Uh, uh, that may be Brognon. I think she may be. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that correctly, Monique, but thank you, Monique. We love having you on board and we love all the communication you've had with us as well. Um, Suze, you've got uh, a couple of people to thank, haven't you? Yes, I want to say double thank you to Molly and Owen Petit. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. One for each. (laughs) (laughs) And Simon? Yeah, I really want to thank uh, Kimberly Liska for giving us more kicks. Very, very grateful. <laughs> oh, oh, how very topical. Thanks, Kimberly. Uh, yeah, nice one, Kimberly. Also incredibly active on all of our socials, on the uh, Facebook fan page and all the rest of it. Wonderful stuff. Listen, should we get into the works? Yes! <laughs> Roger Taylor's first solo album, Fun in Space, was released on the 6th of April 1981. It was produced by Roger Taylor, engineered by David Richards, and was mainly recorded in the Mounted Studios at Montreux over the three years running up to 1981. And Simon is going to give us a lovely little background on how this album happened. Well, for Fun in Space, we find ourselves in 1980, and for a number of years, rumours had been rife that a member of Queen would break off and do a solo album, thus precipitating the breakup and demise of the band. Inevitably, those rumours centred around Freddie, with the lead singer believing themselves to be greater than the sum of the group parts and going solo, being a rock and roll story we are all too familiar with. However... After 10 years, you'd think people would have learned that Queen don't follow the path well-trodden and revel in confounding expectations. As we would go on to see, it was possible for band members to indulge in their own side projects and yet happily return to the mothership, still totally committed to the Queen cause. But I think it's fair to say it was still a bit of a surprise that it was Roger Taylor who embarked on a solo project first, as we know Freddie had been urged to branch out on more than one occasion. Although maybe we shouldn't, as of course Roger had already released a solo single in 1977, I Want to Testify, so the signs were there. 
And being one of four very strong songwriters in a band, I guess it was inevitable that Roger would turn to a solo project to fully explore and develop his talent as a songwriter. Yeah. Subsequently, he resisted the temptation to surround himself with other musicians and took on the challenge of doing pretty much everything himself, which makes this a very interesting and unusual album. Other than that, there isn't a huge amount to say about this album, except that it was recorded at Mountain Studios in between the Queen Game and Flash tours at the end of 1980, beginning of 1981. Although I believe some of the songs came out of the jazz era and started life as early as 1978. It was released in between the band's two forays into South America. And so given this was an extremely busy time for Queen, Roger wasn't able to tour this album. Although there were TV appearances performing future management on Top Pop in the Netherlands, Top of the Pops in the UK and Rock Pop in Germany. Um, One final thing to mention. On the sleeve notes, David Richards, the engineer at Mountain Studios that Roger worked with on this, is credited as providing 50% of keyboards, with Roger providing absolutely everything else. Um, And in keeping with Queen's tradition of no synths disclaimer, Roger noted the use of 157 synthesizers on this album. Um, (laughs) And he finishes with the comment, Hello listeners, I hope you enjoy and have fun with this, my very own album. I like it. And if you don't, sod you. (laughs) (laughs) That's very Roger. (laughs) That's so Roger. Classic, classic Rog. Oh, very good stuff, Simon. (laughs) Thank you. Lovely bit of context. That's such a busy time for them, isn't it? That 1980, you know, three albums of the... Well, an album, a movie soundtrack, greatest hits. Mm. You know, the hit single with that depression was sort of starting to fall around. I can't remember, but they're touring and, and doing solo albums. My God. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it is, I think it's a really interesting point that, you know, when you're in a band and you are competing with the likes of freddie mercury and and brian may to try and get your songs on an album that there's there's going to be a limit to what you can do and clearly mm. roger was a hugely prolific writer as well so i guess and it was inevitable a good writer as well as we are about to discuss. we are about to discuss let's get into it <laughs> The album peaked at number 18 on the UK album charts in the week beginning the 12th of April 1981. Would you like to know what was in the top five? Like, it's not that relevant for this album, is it? But it's just nice to know what's in the top fives. Absolutely. Whenever we do these. So at number five, uh, we have Sky 3 by Sky. At number four, This this Old House. Ah. Shaky. By... Yes, by Shaking Stevens. Oh, right. Uh, number three, Hotter Than July by Stevie Wonder. Number two, Come and Get It by Whitesnake. I don't know what they're <laughs> about. And number one, Kings of the Wild Frontier by Adam and the Ants. Um, I'm a bit of an Adam Ant fan myself, so uh, very nice to see that at number one. Again, big hitters. Yeah, big yeah, hitters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and interesting that... I, I, yeah, I am curious to know, uh, you know, was it... Queen fans that were propelling those sales or sales, or were there kind of was it was it reaching beyond that as well? Do you think, Simon? I don't know. I suspect it probably was Queen fans that were were intrigued to see what Roger would do on his own. Um, but I just think it was a really a really competitive time, wasn't it? I mean, yes, there's a I lot agree. of yeah. of really great. I mean, just in that top five, it'd be interesting to know what else was there because. There's some mm. big hitters there, and you, you've you've got a lot of competition. And I, I suspect perhaps also that 
you know, maybe Roger wasn't as instantly recognisable at this point, yeah. maybe I say it, than, right. than, than Freddie right. would have been, you know. Um, obviously, you know, we, we now know that the huge amount that Roger was contributing throughout the 70s, but his big hits came in the 80s, and I think that's when he that's started true. to... Um, to sort of yeah. really come to the fore. So yeah. maybe that yeah. has something to do with it, but I don't know. Yeah. It's a great album, yeah. though. It is a good album. I yeah. really love both this and Strange Frontier. Do you have, did you have much of a relationship with these albums, Suze, growing up? No, not really. Uh, these are, uh, I didn't hear any of Roger's solo stuff until I was well into being an adult. Um, I was a, I would you know that though I was recommended to listen to them by my media studies teacher when I was doing A level. He said that oh, I should really? listen to yeah. He's like you should listen to Roger Taylor solo stuff. And if it wasn't for sale in my local hour price, how could I without no going special? Yeah. I could order it specially, I guess, but I I just never did. Uh, so yeah, I heard these when I was sort of into my mid to late twenties. Yeah. And when you did get around to listening to them, yeah. how did you feel about them? Because I guess that would have been fun in space and straight uh, yeah. frontier, right, primarily. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, particularly with fun in space, I feel like uh, there's a lot of... There, I can hear Roger's influences in there in a really yes. nice way. Like, it's it almost feels fun in space. I don't know if this is deliberate on his part, but a lot of it feels much more like Roxy music and Bowie and um yes. Even Springsteen than than mm. Queen, uh, which I think is very interesting. I think you'd expect to hear more sort of I'm in love with my car style tracks on here, but it's it's a very eclectic album. If I didn't know it was Roger, I maybe would never have guessed. Yeah, I mean, I think that Springsteen thing on Strange Frontier is Definitely oh there, yeah, you know, with things, yeah, songs yeah. like "Man on Fire," but mm-hmm. yes, yeah, and also I think a lot of the the, the police because at that time that that, mm. that move from the seventies into the eighties, there was all this sort of electronica coming through, and yeah, all which things. he was always very fascinated by. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think he found these solo albums a place to um to engage with those kinds of sounds, and in yeah, a way maybe he couldn't do with Queen. What about mm-hmm. you, Simon? Did you did you embrace them much as uh, um. a young Queen fan? Yeah, I, I sort of came came into sort of Queen in the sort of the mid to eighties and into the later eighties, and so when it came to sort of Roger's solo stuff, it was it was as he was bringing it out that I was kind of engaging with it. So I'd missed Fun in Space, and so I would say I have more connection with sort of things like Happiness and Electric Fire, particularly as right. they were coming in a period when. I just wanted anything that was even slightly connected to Queen, mm. um, you know, because we needed that fix. Um, that nineties era, yeah. I think you know, I was a I was a really big fan of the Cross. I loved that, and I think you know, Roger in a band is is brilliant. Um, so I came to Fun in Space much later, and I and I I find it fascinating because I think out of all of them, we saw Roger progress as a writer over his over his time in queen you know he he mm. he changed and evolved and um and i think you can really see that and i think fun in space is a really great example of where roger was at that particular time mm. in mm. his his songwriting and mm. it does feel very 80s but i mean the best of the 80s you know the, the good bits of yeah. the 80s so i don't mean it as a criticism Lots of music's I mean, good company yeah yeah and I just think when you listen to it, you think, "Oh yeah, this is this is what Roger was like." He's, he's very youthful, which is why I think it's fascinating that we're going to compare this to Outsider, where he's been on that journey and is, you know, yes, 
it's it's yeah there's some really yeah, emotional really... moments on outsiders yeah, yeah. but it's uh, it. yeah that, it's an interesting sort of bracket well let's hope that there's still more loads more material to come from the mighty Ooh, he's very prolific yeah. is our roger i'll give him that yeah yeah yeah, yeah, he writes a lot. He plays a lot of music. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, I so I had sort of started working my way through getting all the albums on cassette, and in a funny sort of way, these two albums, well, actually, Funny Space in particular, and um, Strange Frontier as well. Uh, I I was in books, bits of Bob's and Kingston uh, after rowing one Wednesday afternoon with school. I was in the school rowing team. Thank you very much. Ah. And, uh, so I'd go into books, bits and bobs on the way home and see what was there. And the guy behind the counter went, Oh, I've just got this in. And he showed me a Japanese import of fun in space Mm -hmm. and it was really expensive. And I convinced him to hold it for me to let me save up for it. It took me three weeks to save up for it and buy Hmm. it. Right. Um, but I, was, I didn't know it existed I because there was no internet, so I was like super excited by the whole thing. Um, and I obviously I didn't have it on tape. I only had it on on record. So the only way that I could, on LP, so the only way I could play it would be in the family dining room. In front of oh, right. you know? so, so it wasn't like any time I wanted to. But um, I then uh, sort of put my little cassette player next to the speaker and recorded the album oh, that way right? remember those days <laughs> yeah, recording yeah, the top yeah, yeah. 40 off oh, the, yeah. yes with my tape recorder held up for like exactly. three hours yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and uh i fun in space in particular it was the first one i got out of the two albums i i listened to it so much i really loved it i remember when so martin schiff was this kid who'd given me a copy of i think live uh, Live Magic and then Greatest Hits and I was around his house one afternoon and they were giving me these ta- him, him and uh, a guy called Lee were giving me these tapes uh, we would have been about 14 I think 13, 14 years old and Martin and Lee were like yeah yeah but it's all about Roger Taylor man because they were, they were starting to they'd got into Queen a couple of years earlier and now they were getting into Megadeth and Metallica and all that stuff I see right but... and for them they were like no but it's all about Roger Taylor's songs it's all about mm. Roger Taylor's songs right? right and that really informed I think that kind of imprinted on me so so yeah this album was a, a yeah quite a potent earned album and a bit mm-hmm. a big part of uh, so certainly fun in space Straight Frontier and the first two Cross albums, big, big deal for me. Right. And then, unlike Simon, sort of the stuff that came a little bit later on, I'm slightly less familiar with because I think I was that affected by Freddie's mm. passing. It was mm-hmm. like I had a difficult relationship with the material that's coming out um, post Freddie's passing, really. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Um, I thought we could just uh, talk a little bit about... Um, why he did the solo album roger said uh, in the past i've written so many songs that it was impossible to put them on a queen album so a solo album was the only possibility there were certain things i wanted to do which weren't within the queen format in a way it's like flushing out your system and until you've done it you just don't feel fulfilled if i get more ideas for songs i might eventually do another solo thing but queen would always get priority so that's what he said at the time mm. um which is uh, fascinating, isn't it? And there are sounds on this album that you don't, you don't get on any Queen albums. Mm. Mm. Yeah, definitely. It's true. It's yeah. a very true. Thing. I think it's an important point to make. I think you know it was always never sort of oh I'm now going to strike out on my own and prove to everyone that I can do it. It's just it was always a side project 
and that going back to the mothership was always the intention it was never going to be anything else um yeah. and i think that's it was never sort of like it's meant to be oh this is the beginning of the end and mm. the, yeah uh, yeah so i think it's cool yeah. and it's nice you know emi were quite happy to publish it and all yeah. the rest of it right it was all sort of within the queen structure yeah. as far as it needed to be you know um uh, and the uh, other thing that's uh very typical of uh roger taylor which we will we, know now from you listeners will have uh listened to us talking about roger tracks on albums in which he plays all the tracks and sings does all the singing <laughs> and obviously on his solo albums he does the same thing um and uh you know, he a few of the synth arrangements he didn't do, but he sang all the vocals, he wrote and arranged all the songs himself. And he said on why he plays all the instruments, he said, there are different reasons uh, why I did that. First, I have my own ideas how the songs should sound. It's more important to show several abilities of my own. In the end, I don't want to spend my life being behind the drums. There are lots of other drummers who, sh- who show that solo albums are not, the, are not only an affair of guitar players, singers or keyboard players. Mm. So, you know, mm. um, and his his life has borne fruit from that, right? I mean, he will, you know, front man of the cross, uh, front man of his own solo tours, and uh, that last solo tour that he did on Outsider, was, he was just an incredible front man. Yeah, oh, brilliant. Oh, that's great. Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, and the other tiny thing I wanted to mention was the cover of uh, Fun mm. Space has... Uh, an alien reading a magazine with Roger mm. Taylor on it, and on the reverse, Roger Taylor reading a sci-fi magazine with the alien on it. That alien is called Ernie. Uh, it's, it's based on an American comic book series that he um, that he loved, and the, that model was designed by Tim Staffel yeah. from Smile. And he didn't um, even know, did he? They didn't know. They, yeah. they found out years later. Neither of them were aware of the other. Uh, but yeah, one New Year's Eve, years later, uh, Tim was round at Roger's house and spotted the alien that he'd built and went, oh, why have you got that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you obsessed with me or something? <laughs> yeah, at which point, uh, I guess Roger realised that Tim had never listened to Funny's face. We did have a lovely chat with Tim Staffel about that very thing. I think it's actually on the mini pod that bit the model making when we were talking we did a little mini pod on Thomas the Tank oh, Engine because oh, right. Tim yeah, Staffel yeah. built all the little Thomas the Tank Engine um, yeah. uh, but yes go back to season one folks and look at our Tim Staffel chat and you'll find out all about how Tim built that wonderful little Ernie alien that goes on the front of the album got a little thing that you said about why it's called Fun in Space um, he says the title Fun in Space doesn't mean that the album should be regarded as Son of Flash Gordon but in many ways it is nostalgic capturing the old days when life was perhaps a little more uncertain I've got some old sci-fi books and magazines which I browse through from time to time maybe there are things up there in space watching us I wouldn't find that surprising at all Ooh. I like that they're all sci-fi fans yes. <laughs> yeah. it's a nice yeah. thing I yeah. like that they're all into it um, yeah, let's listen to some music. Um, look, let's start with the first track on the album because I love it. Um, it is No Violins. We were talking about the old times. We were walking down the streets we used to run. Remember when you were angry about every cause to be had. 
there are no violins. It establishes Roger's sound, doesn't it? Do you know what I mean? He's got a really distinctive mm-hmm. sound, all of his tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and did on Queen albums as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and I think it's and I think it's. it's establishes doesn't it that you're not going to get a drumming album it's not just Mm -hmm. going to be him thrashing about it's a rock and roll album lots of guitars lots of great vocals it's a really good scene setter as you say as to what you're going to get it's a proper rogers rocker it's a it's a rogers rocker you're right he's not behind the drum kit is he when he plays live uh no no solo gigs no 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 he's on the guitar he loves his guitars yeah. 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 But he, yeah. yeah. The thing player. the thing is he's such he's a great singer and a great guitar player, but he was in a band with Freddie Mercury and Brian May. <laughs> such a good point. It's such a good point. Uh, and so I'd be love weird if these... he suddenly came forward with a guitar. Yeah, yeah. But then these guys are so brimming with talent, so overflowing with talent. Of course this stuff is gonna start pouring out of them as well. Mm. It's awesome. It's awesome. Uh, and I do think that that sort of little sci fi I can't, I can't quite put my finger on it. Like, it, it's a sound that I'll recognise in Drow's off uh, Day at the Races or... Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's just this that particular... Yeah. yeah, particular sound he's got, this sort of metallic sci-fi mm. element that he's got to all of his music, really. I think it's quite uh, Bowie-influenced, yeah. actually. Um, but uh, that is just as present on Outsider as it is on Fun in Space, this first album, right? Or any of the stuff that he did on, on in the early Queen stuff before this even came out. Yeah. Mm. Big fans of No Violins? Definitely. And I, yeah, I think, cool it, it, as it says, it, it proves that, um, first and foremost, he's a great musician, isn't he? Not just a great drummer, he's a great musician, which is great. Mm. But mm. also, I can't remember which one of us it was. It wasn't me, so it was one of you crazy cats. And I don't can't remember when you said it, but on this pod, somebody made the point that Roger is probably the member from the band who could have gone into any other band and been brilliant in it. Whereas you think that Freddie and Brian flourished because they were in that Queen environment. But Roger could have could have walked into any other band, couldn't he? And just would have been something JR mentioned. Yeah, I think it probably. Yeah, let's say it was John because he's not here to defend himself. (laughs) Well, yes. And also Roger has had loads of bands. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's obviously a good collaborator and uh, can and he has a lot of ideas. And so he had ideas that he didn't feel fit with Queen as a band. So he was like, that's cool. I've I've got I've got platform and money. I'll uh, do my own stuff (laughs) well this song really reminds me of tracks like coming soon and rocket which are on the game album that was came out just Mm -hmm. a year before this Mm. and i guess this would have been written because it was around this time that i think there was some i think a lot of tracks were submitted for the game that didn't like at one point it was nearly a double album and then it ended up being their shortest album so Mm. i guess a lot of these songs would have come out of those writing sessions and for me if this appeared on the game, it would fit perfectly and it would be exactly as it is here. Like, just like uh, Coming Soon, was it? Where no one else really... Was yeah. it Coming Soon? Which one was it where no one else had really... Oh, uh, on the jazz album, um, No More of That Jazz was pretty much all him on his own. Yeah, and, yeah. he plays uh, all the instruments on that well. and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would it would sound exactly the same even if it was on the <laughs> Queen album, was basically my thought. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, there are loads of songs on this uh, album, and because we're looking at two albums, we're not going to look at every one, so I'm going to skip past Laugh or Cry, but you should check it out. It was the 
B-side for the single uh, that was released uh, was Laugh or Cry, but um, uh, the single was Future Management, and that is one that I do want to look at because it is a proper dub reggae sound, which is not something you find anywhere else in Queen, really. Mm. And so yeah. uh, uh, I thought we'd uh, have a listen to that and... Um, just see if he'd been uh, digging any work by the police recently. <laughs> <laughs> Very much. Lovely. It's almost like jamming, isn't it? By mm. what's that? Uh, is that Stevie oh, Wonder? Bob Marley. Bob Bob Marley. Yes, that's who I'm thinking of. Yes, 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 exactly. Because he, he likes his donuts with jamming. <laughs> ah, see what he did there. Yeah. Is that your standard? Very, standard. very, very old joke. That <laughs> right. Okay, that's your standard. Uh, Bob Marley jamming joke. Lovely. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Were you guys surprised when you first heard this track? What did you think, Suze? I wasn't, I wasn't. Uh, I'm, I'm not surprised because Roger will sort of try anything. He's quite bold, his mm. choices. I feel like out of all the members of Queen who've done solo stuff, um, his is the... His is... Oh, what, would be the, what would be the word? Eclectic? Oh, I mean, it is eclectic, but it's, it's, he's, I feel like he's the one who cares the least about what other people think of it. He's creating albums for him. He's like, well, I enjoy this. If you don't, that's fine. I I can't imagine that anyone's saying, well, it wasn't entirely successful. I can't imagine he'd give a shiny. I mean, when we get to uh, um, Outsider, he's done a cover of the clapping song it's like sure yes, mate you yeah. do you <laughs> yeah yeah honestly very different fun. to what freddie was doing with mr bad guy which was yeah a whole yeah. different exercise right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i feel like he's he's confident in what he's putting out there to the point where he doesn't really care how many people are enjoying it or not um, yeah whether that's true or not i don't know but that's how it feels to listen well to he him. is cool like that He's pretty cool. Right, that's, that's the essence of being cool, isn't it? Yeah. Not really mm-hmm. giving a monkey's what other people think of you. Um, yeah. There are particular things that, yeah, I mean, that's not to say he's, yeah, like he really cares if people don't think that they're playing live and stuff. That, those are the kind of things. Yeah, he really yeah. About, you know, he doesn't want his inaccuracies. skills. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, you know, critical reaction is never something that is particularly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just gonna, oh, sod that then. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's that thing where critics will... I sort of know where he's coming from because when critics will write something about... what, Like if one of my stand-up shows and they'll say, like, well, I hated the ending. And I I do often think, like, who cares what you think? Yeah. But which can come... Which I'm sure he's sort of the same. It can come across as I'm offended by what you think. But no, it's literally like, mate, do you think... Your opinion's really important, or something, but which is well, that's you know, it is literally their job, but which is you know, prior to social media, you know, everyone would consume stuff and go, Oh, yeah, I love this stuff, but now, of course, everyone believes Mm. 
Yeah, they'll scrutinise. People will scrutinise. Yeah, people will really scrutinise like a 15 word joke that I thought of in about 15 seconds and then just put out there. And they'll really, uh, what you meant by this was, you're like, oh, mate, have at it. I've, you've given it way more thought than I ever did. <laughs> and I, I think, yeah. I feel like when Roger talks about critics, it's that, it's that kind of thing where he's like, yeah. Yeah, they've all got these opinions. Like it, like it matters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. What matters is look at my bank balance. It's going really well. Not even. I'm. I'm not really into that argument where it's like, well, I made loads of money because I think money's kind of disgusting and makes people vulgar. But I think that uh, his output should uh, speak for itself. And if he's happy yeah. with it, um, that's pretty great. And I do get the yes. impression he's like, I'm happy with what I've put out there. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that is a really, really well-made point. Very, very well-made point. Um, so this was released uh, as a single um, future management. I like that it's, it also taps into a theme that he doesn't cover much. Well, they don't get to cover much in um, uh, Queen so much, but on his solo albums, he does it a lot. A lot of these songs are political, and he is yes. talking about predicting essentially the future we are currently living in yeah. which yeah. is you know we're all working yeah. from home and all on zoom and you know um you know he said that he's going to get us to look at his machine and now here we are all looking at our machines and yeah yeah we are the machine, the machines. man yeah yeah yeah. Man. yeah there's a lot of that in there i love it i love it uh it peaked at number 49 so it just crept into the top 50 uh in the uk um but uh to be fair it was kept off the number one spot by making your mind up by Bucks Fizz. So we're back to Eurovision. Uh, <laughs> so well, yeah. 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 A great time to be alive, I think. You must have been <laughs> very fond of those days, Simon. So I um <laughs> remember them very well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the heat wave of seventy seven. So um <laughs> I got a heat stroke that year actually. So oh, uh, no. there's another Roger Rocker that comes in after this track called uh, Let's Get Crazy which is a phenomenal track. That was released um, abroad, but not here in the UK. Um, that's, the, that's the one that, uh, that was the first song I went, oh, this sounds like it could be on a Queen album. Really? The, the harmonies on that were very Queen. Mm. Yeah. Oh, would you like to hear a bit of the harmonies? Sure. <laughs> Let's listen to a little bit of Let's Get Crazy. Uh, this is a proper Roger Rocker. Let's get crazy. Let's get insane. doing plenty of drumming still yeah I, I know, that's it it's sort of like hey the drums have arrived here we go just yes. in case you were worried here they are yeah, yeah. there's yeah, yeah there's a weird that drum breakdown in the middle is wicked yeah, yeah it's fantastic it's a really because he's one of the track. great drummers yeah it's true it's true it's so true um but what i do want to get into is arguably i think my favorite track on the album which is uh, it's called My Country 1 and 2, mm. and there are sections to it, um, but uh, it's 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 an immense track. It's like 
Bohemian Rhapsody length, six minutes, 48 yes. seconds. Yeah, it's time. long. Mm. Yeah, big old piece that ends side A. Um, and I, I, I just love it. I think the sounds on it are fantastic. Let's listen to a bit of that lovely... It's got these lovely guitars that go into the but then the big drums this is a good little way of bridging between at least two of the three sections of the track Also, that sort of two chord motif that he kind of has based my country on, that is something he uses a lot. You'll sit a lot on outside of that sort of two chord mm-hmm. type of song um, that uh, I thought was really interesting. Uh, anything to say about my country, chaps? It's okay if you don't. Uh, yeah, this, I thought it was a really interesting um, uh, track. Like, the, it's quite an angry song. It's critical yes bearing in mind this is over 40 years old it's critical of the state of the nation at that Mm. time and it's a nation he wouldn't go and fight for and i think that's quite an interesting um concept for a song and it's certainly one i can relate to right now i like it's sharper than ever isn't it oh yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) would you a revolution um he has the lyric in it uh that he uh, i won't be some other jerks tool i think that's such a great lyric i'd like to yell that at our current front bench (laughs) <laughs> I nearly used that as my intro for you today. <laughs> and then I saw the, the line about wine and went, no, that worked better. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's, it's, a, it's an interesting song. I, I, maybe it doesn't need to be seven minutes long. Um, but uh, again, this is that thing where it's like, you do you, Roger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the sounds are so pleasant. It's a really deceptively complex mm, yeah there's like drums and it's, it's that and... ambience um yes where it's not that there's no reason for it to be nearly seven mm. minutes long yeah 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 no well no it's i mean yeah you're right it could <laughs> be shorter but um but uh i don't mind its length i love mm-hmm. i love hearing it i just it's it's pleasant on my ears mm. um but you're right underneath that is some is is a very set jaw of uh, true anger yeah a range mm. of yeah, yeah, so, and, and this would all be around the time of like the Brixton riots. Um, Absolutely, there were certainly riots around, a lot of riots around, and a lot of unrest in the country and disappointment with the government. This really reflects that, and it it's, feels like a song that could come out now. So. And we have civil unrest now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. yeah There's yeah, a yeah, real yeah. disillusionment uh, going on in this country on mm. all sides. On all sides, other governments are available. Yeah. So um, <laughs> vote one in, please. <laughs> there's nice people on all sides all sides okay. <laughs> very fine people why don't we why don't we skip over to a track on outsider now actually from here because the thing that is interesting you, you've point you've picked up on this that um on my country uh, on my country there's that disillusionment this rage with sort of how things are being run how we are in the grip of those more 
powerful and privileged than us and we're all kind of sort of slaves to the machine essentially mm. and on outsider uh there are two versions of a track called uh, gangsters are running this world and um that perhaps these two tracks are a little bit on the nose with that point and yet that's what i thought when i first heard the tracks uh but since hearing them, particularly since the live gig uh, the, when i saw him play it live I have just kind of been going, well, yeah, they are, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, they are. They are, and I'm really angry about it. Um, these these people who are in charge are yeah. just barons. <laughs> They're horrendous. Mm. So um, let's, uh, and I don't mean just in the, I mean, literally, you know, whether you go to South America or wherever, you know, there's a lot of uh, awful stuff going on at the moment. But uh, um, let's listen to a little bit of, Gangsters are running this world. Let's go for the first version, I think, producer Sam, um, because it's gorgeous and it really, I think, does match my country in a lovely way. We all need a reason to be alive and wonder. The smell of the coffee and bread. Yeah, they are. They are. So that is. A, it is assumed that these that particular track is pointedly uh, looking at uh, Vladimir mm-hmm. Putin over in Russia and the yeah, it makes Brazilian sense. Brazilian <laughs> yeah, Bolsonaro. I, I like. Well. I like the the. I like you know a good message, obviously, and I like that there's like a hard bastard version a couple of tracks later. Mm. Yes, <laughs> yes. What strikes me is there's a sort of beautiful sound on my country, and that sound is still present here. Yeah, was it, forty years later, fifty years later, unbelievable! Like he, those beautiful slide guitar that he's got going on across the yeah. top, that almost Hawaiian sort of country and western sort of slide guitars, and uh, oh, it's just—it's actually just a beautiful sound once again. Yeah, an and he is sort of making the point that forty years on, <laughs> hey guys, it's the same. Yeah, um, yeah. There's that Jarvis Cocker song, isn't it? Which I think is about fifteen years old, called "C Words Are Still Running the World." He actually says it. And uh, this oh, is wow. like this is like a softer version of that. Mm. Right, right. That's right, a great right, song. Right. That's got the lyric in it. I don't know that song. It, I'm going to check it oh, out. Oh, it's great. He goes, uh, he goes. If you don't like it, then leave or use your right to protest on the street. Yeah, use your right, but don't expect to be heard. So still oh, running the world. Love my better I've been I've been singing it in gay bars quite a lot recently, and they're 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 a bit like. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they get so surprised by how well the point's made that they the <laughs> they're like, they're like, yeah, Shirley Bassey, Barbara Streisand. Oh, this, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm gonna 
make a note of this. <laughs> such a such a good song. <laughs> oh, I'm going to check that out straight after this. Um, well, listen. While you mentioned it, should we just have a quick listen of the purple version of Gangsters mm. Are Running This World? Again, this is on the. Um, I think it's the first side of Outsider, um, and it's just a more aggressive take on the same song. Uh, and they were, I think, released as a double A side. I'm not sure, uh, but they were released on a single uh, in April Sounds like the lady on Zoom who goes recording in progress. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. She's got an American accent and everything. Um, <laughs> that there is our boy can write a guitar riff. Oh yeah, or two, right? You know, I always uh, think of that. We were talking about, uh, I think, "Fight from the Inside" on News of the World. Mm. Apparently, that's like mm. Slash's favorite riff ever. Roger Taylor ah, wrote that riff, right? Nice. And, you know, so it's like, um, yeah, like. He does generate riffs, really good riffs. I mean, this is essentially another song entirely with some matching lyrics. <laughs> yeah. I love that he's called it Gangsters Are All In This World Purple Version, but it is a very, very different track. Uh, and I think this is the version that he did live. Is that right, Simon? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Or did he blend the two? I can't quite remember now. I can't remember, but it's... Um... Oh, it was. I was jumping about. I was so busy jumping about, Sue, as I got the sweats. <laughs> <laughs> it's a warm day and a warm song. Yeah. But it's it's great. I mean, it's just it's almost like I'm going to keep banging on about this message in in different versions. So if you don't like the first way I sang it, I'll sing it a different way. But you're getting mm. the same message. <laughs> but um, yeah, which is great. But <laughs> I I do I I love them both. But it's the original that or, or not the original, but the first one that we played, the first version that that really sticks with me because it's just he's going to make an a point, but he's going to do it in a very intelligent, calm way. I mean, you can imagine a a punk band doing gangsters that run in this world and you'd just be overwhelmed by this this rage and you wouldn't really get the message but here he's yeah because he's so calm and because it's so measured and lyrical and melodic you, you're just going oh okay yeah no you, you're probably right yeah yeah you are right you know yes well he puts a musical he uses musicality hmm. to put an, an emphasis point in on that second gangsters are ruling this, this world, world right mm-hmm. that's, yeah yeah that's yeah, a yeah. musical emphasis nice but yeah. it's also an emphatic point it's, yeah it's beautiful I, I, yeah i also prefer that version of the song okay let's head back to fun space now i want to look at side b the opening track on side b is uh another rogers rocker i absolutely love it it's called good times are now and I just thought we'd listen to sort of the final section of that song just taking us from the final verse all the way to the end I think it's awesome
some real Adam and the Ant strumming. Yeah, going on under that. It's the kind of sound that you get on Standard Deliver. That sort of yeah, yeah. kind of mm-hmm. that drumming sound. So you can kind of hear these influences again. It's so melodic, but in that particular sort of sci-fi way that Roger's got. And um, again, I think that's very sort of Roxy music, like you were saying. You can hear the Bowie in that as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You guys uh, got anything to say about good times? He's deployed a, a classic Queen. Um, trick here of after assaulting us with uh, a six and a half minute you know barrage of, of, of the poor state of the world he gives us a, a moment's breather with a with a you know great rock and roll classic love song you know Roger's rocker so it's like we're being let off for You're good right. behavior <laughs> I um, that. of course and, and it nice opens the side as well doesn't yeah. it because I suspect yeah. most people were still buying vinyl in 81 and uh, yeah flip the, the flip the album and like here you go a party for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's a yeah. great one to sort of yeah, reset, yeah, yeah. isn't it? And refresh. Yeah. And it's great. I love That's it. That's a really, really good shout. You're absolutely right. Yes, he's as particular um, about that as any. Uh, the the track that follows it on this album is called Magic is Loose, um, which is a sort of Christmassy song. He name checks Christmas in it. And reportedly, Freddie also name-checked Magic as Loose as a song from the album that he particularly liked and would even sing periodically, I think, not necessarily on stage, but just to himself. I think he really enjoyed that track. Just liked it. Yeah, he just liked it. So uh, definitely go along and listen to that. We haven't got time to listen to it now because I want to play this mad thing called Interlude in Constantinople, (laughs) which I think is... I, I remember it being like... It was so... I think at the time that I was kind of getting into this stuff, it was like just ahead of like Little Angels releasing Jam and Thunder releasing Backstreet Symphony. Well, that kind of, it was that era, and I was really into that cock rock kind of sound. And um, and there were like crazy little interludes, like Terence Trent Darby would be putting these weird little interludes in the middle of albums. Uh, little Angels, I remember doing something very similar. And I wonder if, if, if this was the influence for that or whether... I don't know where this comes from, no. but it is mad. Uh, in the middle of all of the music, um, a door slams. You hear footsteps walking mm. to a room. A door opens. You hear some voices. That door shuts, I think. And then you get a crowd and this madness happens. Should we have a listen to this uh, crazy... It's a very Flash Gordon-y track. Mm. Brilliant. <laughs> it is brilliant. It is brilliant. Mm. Uh, 
did you have any response to this? Simon, I think you connect with this song. I could kind of see it in your face. Well, it's just, there's so many 80s things going on in there. Which, uh, I mean, you're right. There's definitely a bit of Flash Gordon sort of bubbling yes, along in there. But yes, yeah. I'm getting... Particularly at the beginning, actually. Yeah, I'm getting Buck Rogers. I'm getting sure. Miami Vice. You know, I'm getting all of those kind of, sort of really glossy great 80s sort of things and um it's a real trip down memory lane but (laughs) yeah where it came from (laughs) i don't know but i love it yeah i was i wrote down like what's the story here the the opening the very opening of this track um immediately made me think of like just like a really atmospheric playstation game from 1998 not a specific one (laughs) it just has that feel that's i was was like hey he's ahead of his time by nearly 20 years that's pretty impressive um but uh, I, yeah, no idea what the story <laughs> was with this. Well, it's interesting. So I, uh, I, I'm very excited. It had a robot voice in it. I loved it. And um, mm-hmm. but I've never really known what on earth that robot voice was saying until last night when I'm like, well, what is he saying? So right. I've looked it up, and he's saying, "Good evening, Constantinople, the best mm-hmm. audience in the world." We've been told, which I think applies to all of our listeners. We really hope the dope will make you clap at all that crap that you've been sold. <laughs> oh, wow. another angry song. Wow. So yes, even within those two lines he gets a he gets a few licks and a few punches. Uh, mm. but you you know, we keep talking about the very opening of that track. Sam, can you just play the op- the very opening bit? Just uh, 20 seconds of it so we get the real Flash Gordony atmos that Suze was talking about. I mean, that's pure flash. Yeah. Mm, it is, yeah. It's an ambiance. And I've always assumed, and I don't know if this makes me sexist or not, Suze, but I think that is... Is that a man walking or a woman walking? Oh, I think it's a woman walking. I feel yeah. it's a woman walking. Oh, yeah. I don't think that's sexist. <laughs> no, it sounds like okay. heels. It sounds like heels. I was joking about the sexist. <laughs> <laughs> of course you're allowed to say women. It's almost male or female. Um... Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. Thank you, Sam. Um, yeah, yeah. Very, very flash indeed. Uh, a very, very cool indeed. Um, look, there's a couple of tracks left on this album. Airheads is a lot of fun. It's full of badass riffs. It's a good old Rogers rocker. Definitely worth checking out. And then the uh, album finishes on Fun in Space, uh, which for me is, I would tend, if I'm honest, if I'm absolutely honest, I would sort of stop. Stop listening after it. Oh, uh, really? You <laughs> kind of like that. Uh, I didn't get on fun of space that much. Um, but did you? Do you disagree? I feel like I'm hearing groans and moans. No, I just I've got quite fond of it because I think it's got. Oh, yeah. It, well, it's got a very futuristic approach. So actually, for me, it's the one track on here that doesn't doesn't date as much or doesn't set it in the time as much. I think because it feels quite futuristic. It's a very it's Bowie becomes, song. Yeah, there's all of that. I, mean, I think it's a bold choice, as, as Suze was saying, you know, Roger's never afraid to be bold. And it's a strangely mm. reflective song to sort of finish the album on. Um, but I, I really like it. But, you know, All that's, right. that's fine. For you know. Simon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play a little bit. Oh, thanks. Stranger Stretch 
Oh, you're very welcome. It brought back a memory just then. So I would listen to this stuff on headphones that was stretching up to a shelf above me uh, on my bed where I'd have the tape double cassette player. And I'd be, like, jam- and I'd be listening to the whole album late at night, like two o'clock in the morning, not having done my homework, going, oh my God, I'm <laughs> so much trouble. And, um, and then I, I would listen to this album. And every time I did, by the time, you know, I'd be stressed about going to school the next day, getting caught for doing the homework and all the rest of it. And I'd be all the way to Airheads. And then over the course of Fun in Space, somehow, it would have gently just coddled me, uh, cocooned me. And, no. just, and I'd wake up <laughs> the next day going, oh, no, I am. I'm in loads of trouble. <laughs> that's, that's why I thought I skipped it. I didn't skip the track. It would just always soothe me to sleep when I was at my most stressed. It's also a good uh, blueprint. The, the, this is the song on Fun in Space that probably you will find songs like this on every single one of his solo albums mm, mm. after this point, right? And I do mean the six solo albums, right? There yeah. are tracks like this on Electric Fire and Happiness and, and very much so on Outsider, as we're about to find out, yeah? Cool. We're going now from 1981 all the way up to 2021. Wow. Now, if, you, if you're as good at maths as I am, that would be 40 years. If you say so. Did I get that right? <laughs> Hmm. Oh, yeah. Bang on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Fine. I'm bloody brilliant at maths. Four years. Uh, all essentially recorded in lockdown, this album, um, Outsider by Roger Taylor. Um, and uh, uh, it debuted and peaked on the UK album charts at number three, the week wow. beginning the 8th of October 2021. Um, so uh, I've got the top five. Mm-hmm. At number five was Sour. By Olivia Rodrigo, mm-hmm. but she was sat a bit. Number five, uh, number four, Certified Lover Boy by Drake. Certified Lover Boy. Certified. So that's an evolution from the good old fashioned type. You can't uh, argue three. with that. I've got it here on a certificate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lover boy. See. <laughs> number three. We've got outside. That's, that's my impression of Drake. <laughs> Like he was in the room. You're not a lover boy. Uh, well, explain this then. <laughs> Certified. Me oh, all that in. <laughs> okay. Well, now I've seen your papier and I can't argue with you anymore, Drake. <laughs> number two, we've got protest songs, 1924 to 2012, by the Specials. Oh, okay. uh, and uh, number one, Tales from the Script, Greatest Hits. By the script, as well as at number one that week. Ah. Uh, Again, so, heavy yeah. hitters. Big, 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 yeah. big, big acts. He's a for sure, huge act, and yeah. really lovely to see uh, Outsider do so well. Actually, yeah. um, it is the uh, highest charting solo record for Roger, and it was the mm. first to actually debut inside the UK top ten as well. So it was a big, big old hit, mm. uh, which was very pleasing, and it was really nice. You know, it came out at a point in lockdown where it was so far from the beginning, it felt like we'd been in it forever and the end still wasn't in sight. And then this thing came out and it gave us some Roger stuff. It just it just activated. You know, we were doing the Queen pod by this point. We were like, ah, oh, we've got stuff, yeah. we've got stuff. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's good. It was a good, it was a good vibe. The, the weather was uh, good at the time and it was really nice. It's a very beautiful album. Uh, and it was very much inspired by the COVID-19 lockdowns, of course. Uh, and then, of course, he toured 
uh, on the outside of tour from the 2nd of October to the 22nd of October. Is that right? 2nd of October to 22nd of October? It was just a month. That sounds about right. Was it early? He just did it in a month. My God. Amazing. And a few of the tracks are re-recordings of Roger's uh, previous tracks. So absolutely anything, Foreign Sand and Journey's End had all appeared on uh, other albums. Um, but they are new recordings of those uh of those tracks uh, and what he said about the record was I've had a bit of a creative spurt and suddenly found myself with an album which was lovely it was a surprise I just found myself in the studio and the songs came out one after the other it was a pleasure really um, and yeah he wrote all the tracks recorded most of the instrumentation himself uh, he produced it with Josh McRae who's the drummer from The Cross, his other band, Roger's other band, The Cross. Um, and uh, it is a beautiful thing. Um, and I think it's really nice that we're, we're looking at this album off the back of uh, Fun in Space, the song, actually, because you'll find that a lot, of, um, a lot of the tracks have a similar sort of feel and sound. The opening track, Tides, um, has that kind of uh, feel to it. Uh, and to demonstrate that, I think we might as well just listen to a tiny bit, actually, producer Sam. The only whisper is the wind The only motion is the wave The only constant is the change genre of music that we were obsessed with in the 90s is it ambient uh yeah that's like super a, yeah. soothing that yeah and they'd play it like that sort of cafe del mar yes yes you'd hear it on lot, beaches and things yeah like. there's that sort of porter's head era and it's sort yeah. of um uh and i think sort of roger's output always includes tracks like this that have they're kind of slow and they're pensive and they're thoughtful and they're gentle, mm. but there's still a there's still that particular mel- melodic uh, tinge that he has that runs through it, and mm. it's very pleasant to allow that a track like that to wash over you. I find. Mm. Yeah, I could actually imagine this song on innuendo. Oh, it would have been beautiful on there. I can hear I can hear Freddie singing this on innuendo, which I hope is not. That's not in no way a slight against Roger. Not it's at not all. a case of like I don't want to hear him singing it. But it's <laughs> where a lot of these tracks felt very much his song, and this I felt could have fit into Queen's into oeuvre. that Queen oeuvre. or maybe in um, Made in Heaven even. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Made in Heaven started to show some of that influence from from Roger because there were songs from the Cross album "Shove It" like um, mm. "Heaven for Everyone." Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, they they have these sort of ambient, relaxing kind of soothing sounds. To yeah, them. yeah, yeah. And a lot of them don't have a they you know they'll have a message. It's anything but. Uh, but yes, the the track it's the tracks. That's a very Queen thing to go against the message of the song. Like somebody to love is joyous, but the lyrics are heartrending, brutal. <laughs> so yeah. that's a, yeah. it's quite a Queen quite a Queen tactic. Um, Absolutely. This, this whole album actually. Uh, 
I, I kept hearing elements of like Pink Floyd and yes it's, it's sort of a vaguely timeless album it, if you told me it came out in 1975 or 85 or 95 I'd have gone yeah sure mm. okay I don't think that's a, yeah. and I don't think it's any bad thing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. It's a very particularly Roger Taylor album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No one else is very... making albums like this. <laughs> Even more than Fun in Space, it's that thing where, like, I made a thing, you can buy it if you want. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, and I really like the fact that he was on lockdown and he just pootled into his studio. And Every time I'm listening to a track on this album, I'm sort of visualising Roger just sort of playing around on his keyboards and I'm going to do a bit of guitar now. No one's really mm. there. He's just doing it all himself. It's yeah, kind of no, quite it's, a beautiful it's, little... It makes the whole thing very personal, yeah. What about you, Simon? Are you kind of feeling it on this album? Definitely. And like you say, it came at such a brilliant time. Um, mm. we, we really sort of were craving something, weren't we? Because <laughs> we'd all been denied mm. Seeing, mm. seeing the Queen tour and so forth. And um, mm. it's... It's fast. I think it's amazing when when you compare this to to Fun in Space. Like I say, you know, this is there's so many similarities in yeah. some senses, but in other words, it, it feels like he's gone on a journey and then decided, nope, I still need to say this, don't I? I still need to make yeah. these points, yeah. uh, even though forty years later. Um, but it just it's a really really good collection of songs, and I really enjoyed it, and um, so excited that he toured it. And um, yes, I, I hope there's a there's a moment where he will he will do so again, um, because oh, it, you, you were right. It was just a month and it was. Was it? Yeah. And it was limited to the UK. I think there are a lot of people across Europe and the rest of the world that would would really enjoy it. And I think. Oh, was, man. You know, absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. And obviously he's got the Queen tour, so that's going to keep it quite busy. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's not a bad thing to go and see in the meantime. Sure. Between, you know, yeah, just in between Roger's solo tours. If you fancy seeing something else, he's also performing with this band called Queen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what I loved about it was um, his rapport, his absolute brilliant rapport with um, with the with the audience. Fantastic. I'm actually going to just skip along to the final track on the album. Is it the final track? No, the cover of Foreign Sand. Um, which is a, a, essentially it's called the English mix. It's a uh, acoustic version of um, uh, a single he released in 1994, which mm-hmm. he wrote with wrote and recorded with uh, Yoshiki, who I'm guessing is a international act of yes. some kind. Yes. Um, I don't know him very well. Could you tell us more, Simon? She's Japanese, I believe. Okay, all right. Yeah, I didn't want to make any error on that in that that regard. Uh, fantastic. So, um, but uh, when when he played this live, there was this fantastic thing where uh, there's there, there's a particular moment in the song where he says uh, the word hello, and he couldn't stop the entire audience on the beat. A couple of beats later, all going hello. <laughs> and he had such a fantastic easy rapport with the audience over it of like this is meant to be a serious song like he was really he was he was very he allowed it he was very uh magnanimous about it um and very witty about it and and his 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 rapport with with the crowd is is exceptional but let's let's have a little listen to that moment and see if you can work out where you need to shout the hello Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Try to plant a seed 
fulfill the need to make it grow. Just say hello. Hello! <laughs> And though you're far from home, try to learn from all you see. Your mind will tell you everything you need. Here we go, ain't it grand? Here we stand on foreign sand. We're not alone. It was the first time I'd ever seen him solo. I'd never seen the cross, and I'd never right. seen him to a solo. And it it put me in mind of just how how much wit is in Queen and how much that wit is coming from all four of them. Mm. As mm. much from Roger as it is from Freddie or anyone else, right? So Yeah, the yeah, Queen were Queen obviously like were able to have a laugh. Oh yeah. With each yeah. other. They're kind of the opposite of that. I remember what I remember being shown at uni documentary from the early eighties of U two. I can't remember what the documentary's called. They're just some guys taking themselves incredibly seriously. And mm. I think they've uh, improved on that somewhat. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I never really got that impression with Queen that they were like, yeah, man, take us extremely seriously and we can't say anything funny. They always just no, seemed like exactly. they were good fun. They were always, they're always good fun. Take the music seriously. Obviously, they're not going to half-ass anything, but they're, they're, they're a laugh. Mm. <laughs> and they're, they're kind people. Yeah, yeah. They have a kindness to them. When I was looking at um, Roger performing on Top of the Pops on the YouTubes last night, I also found a little clip of him turning up on a on a chat show in the 90s called TFI Friday with Chris Evans, not the Captain America one, the, um, the, the red-haired British radio DJ one. On that show, you'd have to walk through a whole crowd of people and upstairs to get to the little studio where you would be recording and you're always getting played in by that track that goes dan 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 and they got this little kid with a guitar who's like maybe 10 years old with a guitar who's just playing it on his own and the first thing roger did as he comes in was like just go up to the kid shake his hand in the sweetest warmest right way mm. just talk to him like on a level you know and just went like you know and with with roger more than any other member of the band I thought I, I sort of seemed to expect him to be quite feisty and spiky but he's actually incredibly kind and mm. very sweet natured right and I think that that yeah, that really comes across um should we get on to a Rogers rocker yes sure. uh so I'm skipping past I know I know I know which is a lovely uh ballad uh with again a lovely hook for a chorus but let's have a look at more kicks let's just play the opening of more kicks because This boy can write a guitar riff. I mean, 
that track yeah was written to tour wasn't it yeah mm. <laughs> that was that we were chatting to spike the duke edney weren't we mm. i forgot to ask him why he was called the duke do you know how he got his nickname i can't remember no actually yeah. why the yeah. hell did i forget to ask him that my goodness i'm sure one of our listeners <laughs> will tell us. um but uh spike um talked about the fact that he sat down with Roger for, ahead of the tour and looked at the tracks off this album worked out how to uh, how to uh, uh, kind of make them work as live performances um, and what, what, what kind of needs to be done to them. I kind of feel like yeah, more kicks was just basically ready to go. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I don't know, he just walked straight into that. Yeah. Yeah, well, you remember when... On the album for me. Yeah, where Spike was sort of saying, you know, there are the must-haves and then the... Uh, be good good to try and then n- not anywhere near i think more kicks was definitely in the must have must list have. Wasn't yeah. It? yeah 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 yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah yeah you have to jump up and down when that's on um yeah love it uh i'm gonna briefly mention absolutely anything we won't play a clip from it but um uh it was it's a new version of um uh the theme song that he wrote for a 2015 film called Absolutely Anything. You guys familiar with this movie? I haven't checked it out, um, but I'm going to. I was looking into it. So it was Terry Jones's last film, Terry Jones of the uh, Yes, I remember now. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's essentially about aliens experiment. They they give Simon Pegg uh, the powers to do absolutely anything. And then oh, they judge I do the remember planet. this film yeah. coming out. Yeah, yeah. Terry Jones directed it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in 2015, it was his last film. And it was sort of... Uh, and the Pythons voiced all of the aliens. And right. Robin Williams also vo- voiced one of the um, oh, wow. aliens. And that was his last performance. Wow, wow. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. It's got all of the Pythons in it, which was quite a rare thing at the time. Uh, in fact, it's the, maybe the, apart from their life tour, it's the last time they've all kind of appeared together properly. Mm. Uh, so, yes. Uh, a beautiful a beautiful song for what sounds like a very cool film I'm going to check it out this weekend uh, obviously we've looked at Gangsters Are Running the World already which is fantastic what song should we look at next what are you excited by we can look at uh, we can look at the clapping song that's fun oh I love yeah, the clapping song do it. Let's have a bit of a clapping song. Come on, producer Sam, give us the clap. Slaps, yeah. <laughs> it's a lovely little breezy moment on the album. Uh, did you guys know this song like in the back of your minds before? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this song is um, uh, famous and oft, oft covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's, yeah. So it's obviously like a favourite of his, and like, why can't he cover it? <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yeah, well, he said, it, I love the original by Shirley Ellis. It's just so joyful and simple. It's got a mm. swing to it, and I tried to recreate that swing using an ancient drum kit. It was a mm. real pleasure to do that song. It's like a playground nursery rhyme for kids. So, yeah, he used... Um, so it was originally written by uh, Lincoln Chase and uh, uh, recorded by Shirley Ellis back in 1965. Mm-hmm. Um, and he used a vintage... Roger used a vintage... I'm going to try and get this right for John Robbins' sake. He used a vintage Trixon Trixon Telstar drum kit on the mm-hmm. song. It's a piece of kit favoured by some of the best jazz and rock drummers of the 50s and 60s, including Ringo Starr and Keith Moon. Uh, and the reason he used it, he said, it's very rare, uh, which uh, very strange drums. It's got a sort of old sound to it. Also on this track, I had a horn section, which is nice. My wife said, get some real horns on that. You don't want sample ones. And that sort of gives it that, what's the word, authenticity. I love the track, and I just wanted to do my own version. It's such a nice, cool song. I hope I get some of the fabulous atmosphere of the original. That's him. It's very cool. Amazing, isn't it? He sat sat in his studio on his own, and he goes, "Well, I'm going to cover the clapping song." Yeah, <laughs> but it's worth um, it's worth googling the the the, the tricks on drum um, kit and just looking at pictures of it because the bass drum is a really weird shape. It's oh, not round. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not round. No, it's very very odd. It would describe. But uh, worth worth having a quick look, and it's that what makes it its a unique sound. Oh, it's like a squashed circle. Yeah, weird, isn't it? Wow. It's like Mr. Greedy's tummy. Without yes. Mr. Greedy's yeah, head. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It does. It looks like someone's That's gone a nice like universal oh, on the top of it. That everyone will get. <laughs> everyone knows the Mr. Men. That's perfectly <laughs> right. Yeah, but it's really. It's cool. like it's yeah. broken. It's like it's been dropped. Or, it does, or doesn't it? Yeah, or booped on the head, or something. But, yeah. Wow, and cool. so what does that do to the sound, Simon? It's just a slightly different sound, but it's just... Just uh, gives it a sort of boing. Yeah, well, it's just very difficult to describe, but it's sort of... Um, okay. I, I love the fact that he's got he's gone there and gone, no, so I'm going to get one, and you know, or he probably already had one, and I'm going to play it, and I'm going to you know make it authentic. And, it's, uh, it's not even... It's not even like it's an even oval. It's no, kind of no. flatter on one side. Yeah. That's really interesting. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's like a teardrop on its side almost. A couple of other tracks that I think are worth looking at uh, 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 will have to be, you know, the big singles, I think, um, uh, which are Isolation and uh, We're All Just Trying to Get By. Um, should we start with We're All Just Trying to Get By? It features uh, mm. the wonderful Katie Tunstall, and he literally sent her the track a uh, over the internet um, and then she just was wherever she was in the States and she just recorded, you know, he just said oh, I'll put, put on there whatever you want and she recorded some stuff, sent it back <laughs> here it is there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what a way to get Katie Tunstall to turn up on your track, amazing Through the airports and train stations of the multiplex of nations All the creatures of creation All the fishes and crustaceans To satisfy their sense of station Through the rules and regulations I'm just get by We're all just trying to get by In the sand, all the 
insects in the land All the wildlife on the plain Jungle plants expecting rain All playing the same game In the struggle to remain Just can't find guys think of this track it's a real earworm i'm gonna <laughs> once you've heard it once you ain't shifting it it's got a very catchy tune um and i just whenever i hear it uh, thank so thank you for that that's now going to be in my head for, for, yes. for days yes it now. does yeah um, it's very mellow yeah. and uh could only yeah, it's going to be one of the those interesting things in 25 years. There'll be a list of songs that were inspired by the pandemic of <laughs> yes. 2020. And they'll be like, oh, yeah, Queen's Roger Taylor released this interesting little duet with Katie Tunstall. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of the tracks that I felt was a touch on the nose, lyrically. Um, as pleasant as it is a sound to listen to. And I think you're right, it is an earworm in a sort of Ipanema way. <laughs> like, it'll be stuck in my head for the rest of the day and I don't know that I necessarily want this track. I want more kicks stuck in my head for the rest of the day. Or do you know what I mean? Um, so I'm not as big a fan of this particular track uh, as, uh, as as some of the other stuff on this album, for sure. And But I can understand what was released. You've got Katie Tunstall. What she said about working with Roger was it was the coolest surprise, Roger getting in touch during lockdown and asking me to lend my vocals to this great and meaningful song. What a pleasure to work with such a brilliant writer and musical hero. Which is a lovely thing for her to say. Mm. And uh, he said the track was all finished. It was suggested it might be nice if we got Katie involved. I love what she did. I think it really adds to the track. And she's very clever. I think people forget that she was really the pioneer, as far as I know, of looping. The looping technique, which obviously Ed Sheeran is brilliant at and has made very popular. But I remember her doing it, what, 15 years ago? Fantastic. Mm. She's a very talented singer and musician, and it's lovely to have her on the track. It's a very nice partnership. And, you know, I really like it when... We get a female voice on any of the boys' outputs. It doesn't happen very much in Queen because mm. Roger does all the female voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they recreated so <laughs> many know. sounds themselves yeah. that they yeah. didn't get in session singers. There's no great gig in the yeah. sky. No. Uh, there was like a. Yeah, Joan Armour Trading turned up on Don't Lose Your Head on a Kind of oh, Magic. Yes. For yeah, a Roger yeah, yeah. track there. And it's it had a real potent moment for me that sort of mm. don't lose your head moment you know and uh again he's done that here and got himself a katie tutsel which is a wonderful win mm. um yeah yeah and and in the end it did reflect what a lot of people have been well feeling it's a brilliant sentiment absolutely yeah mm. well the other single that i think we should look at uh before we wrap up is isolation which is another uh, single on this track uh, uh, on this album and that was released as a single uh in june 2020 so it was well ahead of the album where uh, we're all just trying to get by it was released in august 21 which was a couple of months before the album was released so this was almost a year earlier uh he said he i've got a little drum kit down in my basement down in our holiday house here i just feel like his holiday house is probably like um <laughs> 
you know, like a fort or something. But um, I just started giving Instagram lessons for beginners, telling them little tricks and stuff that you'd never get hold of. Did you watch all those little Instagram yeah, little drumming videos? They were yeah. so good. Um, yeah, so it's good. really cool. Yeah, I was telling them the little tricks and stuff that you never get told if you take formal lessons. Really simple things. Formal lessons with instruments seem to go about it in the wrong way. I was doing that and I was sitting in my garden shed, <laughs> which is probably like <laughs> a castle. <laughs> but anyway, his garden shed. And I was thinking, here we are in isolation. I should write a song about it and see if people connect with it, since an awful lot of people are going through the same thing. So here we sit. Lovely, lovely little ditty. Little, here, there he is in his garden shed, which is probably the size of a barn, and he's just played his little <laughs> jaunty little jingle. It's lovely. It's lovely. Have you been in his shed, Simon? No, not been invited there. No? No, not yet. <laughs> holding out holding out for the invite. He's not trying to do anything except live in the moment with what he's creating on this album. There's no, It doesn't sure. feel like there's an agenda with it, and I think that really comes across in this song. You hear some of, I don't want to disparage, uh, a, you know, a contemporary of Roger's, but you look at the new stuff that Rod Stewart's putting out and he's trying to recreate what he was doing in the 70s and 80s and it doesn't work because yeah, right. we're not in the 70s and 80s mm. anymore. Um, so I I like the fact that Roger's written something for him. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, this is the thing that I thought was... Uh, this is how I kind of wanted. This is what I wanted to talk about uh, for this last part of the pod, which is um, I had it in my in my head. Well, why don't we compare? You know, why don't we cover both albums on the same pod? You know, the first, first album, and the most albums. recent mm. album. First but and it's most actually recent, been yeah. yeah, but it's actually been quite a surprising exercise. I didn't expect there to be so much connectivity between mm. the two albums, and I guess what eighty one. Roger would have been in his early 30s, late 20s, early 30s by this point. Uh, early 30s, yeah, yeah. Early 30s. And he's now in his, you know, early 50s. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> he's in his early 70s. But um, I don't feel that progression of time uh, listening to his performance. Mm. No, mm-hmm. I agree. I think there's a, there's a maturity uh, yes. you know, of a person who's seen a lot and done a lot. But yeah. he hasn't lost any of 
you know the playfulness the rage you know the yes. yeah uh, you know the commitment to it and that's that's yeah. the great thing he doesn't sound like he's oh here we go again he still feels like he's got something to say which is great yeah he doesn't need to be releasing anything new no he does it. It's right. not like, oh god, I've got to, I've got to get my name out there. He doesn't need to, and that comes across on the album that he's there's no, you know, there's no desperation of like, oh god, got to be current. Yeah. and, no, and as a result, creates something that is current. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he does create something that's current at all times, and I would say Outsider is possibly a slightly slower album than Fun in Space, mm. but Fun in Space is is is, is a relatively slow album say, compared to Strange Frontier. Mm. Um, Roger, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I had the same sense with Innuendo that it was reaching back to Queen 1. And in a mm-hmm. funny sort of way, I think there are elements of Outsider that are reaching back all the way to Fun in Space. Mm. But the thing that struck me the most is uh, he's as exuberant a presence and a voice now than he's ever been, you know. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that really impresses me. Like... You know, if you're going to pick Queen as your heroes, I love how much they, everything they do makes you go, yeah, yeah, I'll pick the right people to be my heroes. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And you also see what a massive contribution he made to the Queen sound and to, oh, yeah. to Queen. You know, we all know that and we've talked about it loads on the pod, but, you know, to anyone who is a casual or, or new fan, this is a real indicator of what he brings to the party and it's a huge Definitely. amount. Yeah. So, listeners, you have been asking us for a while to start looking at some of Roger's solo stuff, so I hope this satisfies you. Mm-hmm. Those of you that have not explored Roger's solo stuff, I hope this inspires you to go and look at it, because it is there's some wonderful stuff in there, some gorgeous sounds, uh, lovely riffs, and, um, and the man is, is supremely talented. Queen yeah, would he not never half-arses it. Never yeah. half-arses it, ever. Absolutely. There we have it. Do email us with your suggestions. We literally did this uh, podcast because we got emails saying, oh, can we look at uh, Roger's stuff? And are you going to look at Outsider and all that kind of stuff? So um, it does work. We do listen to you. And we're always interested in anything you have to say. You can email us, queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. We are... uh, also ask you uh, to get involved on social media you can comment at the queen pod on twitter facebook and instagram there's a lovely uh, facebook fan site you can get involved with nice chats going on over there um has anyone got anything they want to plug while we're here i've got some shorts going out on channel four on facebook called oh. uh jokes only a muslim can tell jokes only a jew can tell jokes only a uh, whatever could tell that first one came out this week as week of recording and it's doing all right actually people right. are liking it so yeah we've got a few thousand uh, likes so that's good um so yeah find that and uh, share it about how about you Suze? it looked like you had a little something that you wanted to plug what about your other podcast see if you want to hear three comedians talk about true crime while getting absolutely hammered check out mystery on the rocks we all make cocktails <laughs> and drink them and talk about true crime we're currently doing the geopolitics of the 20th century so uh we've just recorded the uh jfk assassination done an episode wow Wow. Um, did you crack it uh, we yeah well to be honest 
No, it was uh, a mad guy who had links to Russia oh, <laughs> called <right. laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald. Oh, um, right, okay, okay. We, we're doing that. And I've got a comedy special, uh, which you can get on gofasterstripe.com called Supersonic 90s Kid, which is about growing up in the 90s and loving Sonic. I've written two entire solo hours about Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, well, you can't cover a fast hedgehog in just one hour no um, exactly he's got plenty to say <laughs> guys uh, if you're listening just take a moment right now to nip on to your itunes and give us a minimum little four star ideally a five star but if, if you're like well i don't know rose sounds a bit off give it a four star i'll live with it <laughs> <laughs> thank you to suze simon and producer sam it's goodbye Bye-bye. bye This has been The Queen Pod, a Seven Seas Films production. Edited and produced by me, Sam Easton. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and stay in touch by emailing queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.